G'day everybody, Matt Ellis with you for the latest edition of the Cricket Library podcast and today we have a very special treat for you, Madeline Penner, a superstar with the bat. Gives herself room, Penner, and finds the gap nicely. Nice footwork and a lovely gap that's been pierced there, Maddie Penner. The team has gone nuts down at the dugout, that is an exceptional hundred. Maddie Penner. Very well batted. She's also more than handy with the ball. This one's up in the air. There's a fielder there, though. And Tess Flintoff takes a smart catch. And there it is, the fourth wicket for Penner. And the next one goes down for the Sydney Thunder. A young player who's overcome injuries, juggled her commitments at university to play in the WBBL and WNCL competitions. Today, we hear the Maddie Penner story on the Cricket Library podcast. It's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast. Maddie Penner, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, how are you going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we've got you during the uh, Olympic Games, uh, the hundreds on, plenty of, plenty of things to watch on the TV. But hopefully we get to hear some interesting things about your life as a cricketer. You're still only very young, but can you tell us where your passion for cricket started? Um, well, mine was um, a bit different, actually. So as a kid... Um, like through school, I actually played a lot of sport, like volleyball, Oz tag, um, soccer, anything. Honestly, that I could kind of get a, get a bit of time away from school, I I kind of joined up. Um, and I actually was like at a young age, I was quite a good little soccer player. Um, but had uh, a bad knee injury. Um, at around the age of nine. Um, so I had to kind of give that away um, and heavily went into swimming um, as it was kind of like a non-impact kind of way to keep fit. Um, but then, yeah, at school, uh, the boys um, that I was friends with asked if I wanted, obviously, to take a day off school and go play some cricket. Um, and I actually had an absolute blast. Like, playing with the boys was awesome. Um and I really enjoyed it. And then I came home and, and went to my parents and was like, oh, I play cricket today. Like, I had a really good time. Like, I want to actually play outside of school. Um, and then, yeah, I joined, joined the local boys team um, back in Sydney and, and yeah, it went from there. So uh, do you have brothers and sisters at all? I do. I have a younger brother. He's currently 16, so he's about four to five years younger than me. Yeah, okay. So when you were starting to love cricket, he was probably still a little bit bit young to be getting out in the backyard with you? Yeah, we always, um, at Christmas and, and all that kind of stuff, we always we were a very sporty um, family. So we always got outside and, and played absolutely everything. Um, and we definitely did play outside, out in the backyard, and I obviously thought I was a lot better than I was, <laughs> um, like any kid would. Um but yeah, I didn't really have any interest in it until I actually played my first game. Because um, my dad used to play um, when I was quite young and I used to complain to mum that I didn't want to go and watch the grass grow because I thought cricket was the most boring <laughs> sport ever. So <laughs> um, it's funny how things change when you kind of get into it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned playing junior club cricket there with the boys. At what point did you start to think, I could be pretty good at this um, and start thinking about things like representative cricket or all-girls cricket? Did you did you have much opportunities for that early on? Um, yeah, I did, actually. I was pretty lucky because um, at the time that, it, that I, like, started playing, I think I was in maybe like year five and then I actually got asked um, in year six if I wanted to trial for the New South Wales primary school um, sporting team. So um, I was pretty lucky in that sense that I was playing with boys um, outside of school, but through school they uh, had girls teams. Um, and luckily enough, I actually made that New South Wales side um and yeah, it kind of just grew from there. And then as I um, went through the ranks, it kind of went into underage cricket with New South Wales. And there was a lot of um, New South Wales trials through school as well. Um, so I was pretty lucky in that sense. Yeah. And um, you make your way into the New South Wales cricket pathway uh, with the academy and uh, developing your game through there. Uh, when did you start playing for Bankstown in women's cricket? Um, I think it was around the time when I think I would have been in year seven. Um, they started introducing like turf to the um, national comps and, and underage cricket and all that kind of stuff. So I actually was obviously with the boys playing on synthetic. Yep. So I wanted to get some. Um, experience playing on turf and um I got yeah I got approached by Bankstown um asking if I wanted to join their club and um obviously it was an all-girls team so I jumped at the opportunity to go play with some girls and yeah I've been playing there ever since. And you have some success there as well um you 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 win a premiership with Bankstown do you have any fond memories of playing club cricket and and your successes there? I do actually. Um, I was pretty lucky. I this I reckon I was about fifteen or sixteen, and we won the second grade premiership, and so did the first grade team. Um, and at that stage, we had like the likes of Sarah Ailey, Ash Gardner, um, Corinne Hall, Aaron Burns. They were all playing in our first grade team, and obviously, at a young age, you look up to those girls that are at a high level and playing WNCL and. Um, at that stage, WBBL was just bought in. Um, and, yeah, we, I was pretty lucky to have such good role models um, playing at the club I was playing at and obviously just a grade above me. And then the year later, I was actually asked to run drinks. I was like 12th man for the first grade team. Um, so it all kind of happened pretty quickly and it went from me idolising superstars like them to actually playing alongside them. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. And uh, you also, uh, with the New South Wales Pathway, uh, sort of around that time, maybe a little bit later, playing in the under-18s nationals with a lot of a lot of girls that have gone on uh, since then to be names that we know. Who who were some of the players that you were you're playing with and against in and around that time in in your age group? Um. Well, the first, I think the first big one for me was my first year in 18s. I didn't make the New South Wales side, but I was picked in the CA11 side. 
yep. um, which I captained alongside Annabelle Sutherland, who is now um, playing for Australia. Yeah, she's going and okay. Yeah, she's just going all right, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, I was pretty lucky to play play against um, people like Sophie Molyneux, Taylor Vlamnik, Georgia Wareham. Um, and, obviously, at that time, they were kind of around the similar age as me and um, in their respective states. So it didn't seem like such a big deal back then, but now you kind of look back on it and you're like, wow, I... I shook Sophie Molyneux's hand because she was the opposing captain when we played them a few years ago. Like, it's just, it's quite funny how much the women's game's grown and how players like them have, have excelled. And you just think, like, I was literally just bursting them, like, four or five years ago. So yeah. it's, um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and, and then to get the opportunity to make your debut for uh, – the ACT Meteors against Victoria. I think you're Meteor number 128, if I've done my research correctly. Um, what was that like to come into the top women's competition in Australia, in the WNCL? Uh, it was kind of a dream come true, to be honest. Um, I actually wasn't contracted with the Meteors. Um, I just had a major knee operation that year so I was kind of on the men's of that and um, we unfortunately had a few injuries and our skipper um, current skipper Andrique uh, tore Achilles so we had a few players out and um, I actually got a, like a call maybe a week before we flew out and was like oh like you're you're gonna make your debut and I was like you're kidding me right <laughs> and they're like no no you're gonna you're gonna make your debut at um Karen Rolton and I was like oh my god like I was just like taken back because obviously not not getting a contract and kind of just being in around the training group you didn't really have many expectations of of where you sat or or if you were going to play I guess and yeah to be able to get that opportunity and and make my debut was absolutely amazing and, and any um, any reflections on the game itself that stand out? Do you remember much about the game, or is it all just a bit of a bit of a blur? Oh no, I do. We um, spent like five or six hours <laughs> waiting around because it was pouring down. <laughs> so we actually got. I think we only ended up playing. I think it was like twenty-two overs or so, or something something like that. Um, so it actually wasn't a fifty-over game. Um, and yeah, we spent most of the morning uh, sitting around in the change room having a laugh because it was just literally pouring. We actually didn't think we were going to get on. Um, but I hit my um, first stick on that oval, so um, I also got run out quite poorly, <laughs> um, which I will probably remember forever. Um, but I think I got my first wicket as well. So it was. Um, and we got a win, so it was it was a pretty good first game um, and a pretty good start to the season as well. Yeah, that's ticking a few boxes there. First six on debut and a wicket. Um, I just wanted to ask you around uh, the rain there that day and how you kind of manage your nerves. Did you find that it helped you being in, in the change room with the girls, having a bit of a laugh, having that downtime where you kind of almost – not expecting you're going to get on. Does, do you want to just explain to us a little bit about how you manage your nerves pre-game? 
Uh, yeah, I think um, it did me the world of good because I'm someone who gets actually quite quite nervous. I have a lot of expectations on myself and um, I tend to get quite nervous before games regardless of if it's my debut or if I've played 4,000 games. Um, but, yeah, it was quite nice. Like, obviously, rocking up in the morning, um, it was quite, like, miserable. So we didn't really know where we sat. But then once we got that first, um, chat from the umpire saying it's going to be a little while um it kind of just put me to rest a little bit it's like okay well I don't I just have to kind of relax and just chill out for a bit don't really have to switch on until we actually have to start warming up um and yeah the girls the girls did a great job there's actually four of us that debuted that day so um it wasn't like I was alone either yeah um but yeah we just all had a bit of a laugh and we um, we're throwing the ball around, kicking the footy, and it kind of just didn't really feel like we were actually going to play at one stage. Um, but then, yeah, when we actually got presented our caps and um, we got into warm-ups, everyone was like, oh, okay, it's starting to get, starting to get real now. And then that's when, obviously, the nerves kicked in. But once we kind of got started, it kind of settled a little bit, which was nice. Did, did you happen to have family or friends able to travel for the game? I did actually. My um, mum and dad and brother flew to Adelaide. Oh, how um, good! Which was yeah, which was awesome. So um, they actually stayed there the week when we played um, Victoria, and then we played Adelaide. Um, so yeah, it was it was real nice. Yeah, yeah, and they they've been big supporters of your cricket all the way through. Oh, massive support! I don't know how many times my brother's like, oh, I don't want to go and watch you play cricket but I know deep down he loves getting days off school and, <laughs> and he loves watching me and, and now now it's the opposite reaction now he says oh can we can I come watch you play because he knows that he's going to get a day off school so um he's been awesome and my parents have put in so much time and, and effort to make sure I got to where I wanted to be and and still are a massive help um this day even though I, I don't live with them anymore so um yeah they've been a great support Oh, that's outstanding. Now, tell us about the call-up to the Melbourne Stars. How, how does that – does that take you completely out of the blue? Um, give us give us some background around, around that call-up. Yeah, honestly, I, I was so shocked. So I literally was just on my way home from uni. So I was still living in Sydney at this stage. I hadn't um, moved to Canberra yet. Um, but obviously I only played – two WNCL matches and didn't do outstanding. And then I got a call from Erin Osborne, who was our skipper at the time. And um, she was just like, oh, like, what are you doing? I said, I'm just driving home from uni. And obviously when the your captain of your team calls you, you know it's something, it's something big. Um, yeah. And she was obviously in Melbourne at the time because they were just a week out from starting um, WBBL. And she was like, oh, like, how would you like to play for the Stars? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, oh, like, do you want to play for the Stars this season? I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, obviously. And she's like, okay, uh, that's like, all right, no worries. Um, Tampi's going to give you a call in a, in about an hour or so. Um, he's just going to chat to you. I was like, what what's going on? Like, like, I literally couldn't even get a sentence out. I was just asked, like, I tried to ask so many questions, but nothing was coming out of my mouth. So I was just literally taken back. Um, and she's like, don't worry, don't stress. He's just going to call you in an hour or so. And I was like, okay, bye. I got off the phone and I was like in peak hour traffic in Sydney. 
Yeah. I was like, oh my God, like I had to call mom and she didn't answer. And I tried to call dad, he didn't answer. And I was like, oh my God, I have no one to speak to about this. Like, what do, what do I do? Like, I was just honestly like stressed about the whole situation. Anyway, I got home and, and all was okay. And then he gave me a call and he was just like, oh, um, we'd be interested, like, interested to see if you were like keen to play play for us this year because like Alana King's broken her thumb and we need like an injury replacement player. Um, and I was like, oh my God, like, yes. And he's like, okay, you'll need to, you'll need to be here. So on Thursday and I was like, it was Wednesday night that he called me. Oh, so wow. I got off the call from him and I literally shoved all these pairs of clothing <laughs> in my suitcase, um, just shoved everything in I could and then was on the plane to Melbourne the next day. So it all happened really fast, but it was um, honestly something I'll probably remember forever, to be honest. Yeah, an incredible whirlwind. And coming in predominantly as a bowler, I was going to ask you uh, about that as well. Uh, as a youngster, did you view yourself more of a batter or a bowler or a batting all right, all-rounder, bowling all-rounder? Uh, what, what did you see as your value-add to, to the teams um, you were playing in? It kind of chopped and changed over the years, to be honest. So I originally started as a, I'm going to say fast, but I definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> <Seam> <laughs> up. A medium, a medium, medium pace bowler um, that batted top order. Um, so I was always more dominant with the bat. Um, but then with my knee injury and, and whatnot, I kind of went to in and I was actually with Lisa Stalaker at the time um, in underage and she was just like oh just ball spin and see what happens and naturally my version of a leggy came out um, yeah and so I just kind of stuck with that and then since since then I've just been um, I was either a bowler that batted or I was a batter that bowled um, I do consider myself an all-rounder um, but yeah. it kind of just depends on what the go is during the day and <laughs> what the team needs, I guess, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And because you, you, you make your debut, I think it was against the Sixers you play your first game, but the game where we get to see you bowling and, and having success at your old home ground, Bankstown Oval against the Sydney Thunder, four for 20 and some big wickets. Yeah, honestly, that day was unreal. Um, I was pretty lucky. I didn't honestly go in with any expectations of, of how much I was going to bowl and, and when I was going to bowl. Um, but, yeah, the, obviously the first game against the Sixers was quite nerve-wracking. I was bowling to Elise Perry and, and Ash Gardner, and obviously they can both hit a long ball. And all I was thinking was just don't bowl in the slot. Don't <laughs> hit it over the fence. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that second game, um, it kind of didn't really feel like a big bash game, if that makes sense, because I was obviously at my um, home ground at Bankstown and it just kind of felt like a, a grade game, um, which I think helped me a little bit and um, took like a, a bit of the nerves away, which was nice. Um, but yeah, to, unfortunately, we didn't come away with a win, but to come away with those wickets was, was pretty exciting. Yeah, a real, a, a real good way to kind of... Uh, show yourself that you could do it at that level as well. Four, four for 20 in a WBBL game uh, under pressure, uh, uh, a great result. Now, you moved to the Strikers. Uh, can you tell us how that came about? Uh, you, you have that year, uh, 
down in Melbourne, um, do, do the strikers reach out or do you how, – how did that all come about? Um, yeah, so obviously I was pretty keen um, to stay with the Stars, um, but I uh, – my manager – like spoke to me and was just like, oh, um, they have obviously Alana King. And for me, it was more about opportunity. Um, yep. And obviously, I didn't really bat much with the stars the year before. And that being my dominant skill, I wanted to, I guess, showcase that. Um, so he, yeah, he said to me, oh, the strikers are pretty keen. Like, would you be interested like, in going there? And um I was actually living with Katie Mack at the time and she obviously had played for the Strikers for a few years and she was just kind of raving on about how good the girls were and how much she enjoyed the coaching staff and the environment. And I was just kind of, it didn't take me long. I was just kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, let's do it. Like, I'll just make the move and see what happens. And I'm honestly very grateful that I did because the girls were amazing. This coaching staff were awesome to work with. Um, Luke and Jude and then um, Charlotte Edwards as well was just um, amazing. And I've actually made lifelong friends there. So it was a pretty good move and I'm pretty happy with it, to be honest. Yeah. And you mentioned opportunities to bat. One of those opportunities uh, are very destructive innings, including 24 off and over against the Hurricanes, uh, 56 off 33. Uh, any any reflections on that innings? And was that a real... I, I think it might have been the first time a number seven batter had scored a half century in the WBBL. I, I may be wrong on that, but um, getting runs, proving to yourself you can do it and making a statement with that innings. Yeah, it kind of just... It crept up on me a little bit, to be honest, because obviously I went out there and I think we were... Um, not too sure what we were, but we were not a lot. I think it was like 65 or something like that. And I remember speaking to uh, Lottie beforehand and she was saying, oh, like one thirty, let's get to one thirty. So I had that in the back of my mind the whole time. And um, obviously when I just got out there, I was like, okay, I just need to kind of build on this innings here and actually bat the full 20 because we need to bat the full 20. Um, and then, yeah, and then Tegan McFarlane come out and I just, basically something just kind of went over me when we had like maybe four overs to go and I was like we're going to do this like let's get to 130 um and it just kind of yeah it just kind of happened and we just started hitting boundaries and it just kind of went quite smooth I guess and yeah and then the last over I just basically said to Midi I was just like I'm going for it like I'm literally just gonna swing and just try and hit the boundary every ball She's like, no worries. I'm just going to run quick between the wickets. So I'm like, okay, no worries. So we had a bit of a play in there. Um, and obviously the first one, I didn't really get away. Um, but then once I got the first boundary off that over, I was like, okay, all I need to do is find the rope um, and swing hard. Or the bike um, track. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was actually quite frustrating because the over forehand was – I was – hitting to the short side and I did not get like I did not middle one and it just I didn't get a boundary I got singles every time it was just so frustrating um and then yeah obviously I hit my first six to the long side and I was like oh wow <laughs> like that, that um that felt good and then yeah and then the second time I hit my six 
Minji gave me a hug and I was like, Minji, there's still a ball left. And she's like, you just got your 50. I was like, looked at the scoreboard and I was like, oh. And I just was in such a mindset of just scoring as many runs as possible that I just completely had lost, like, focus, I guess, on, on what I was doing individually. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a pretty, pretty good game um, and definitely one I'll remember for a, a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, another one we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, oh, we'll talk about it now, actually. WNCL, 118 off 100, your first WNCL 100. Uh, a massive achievement to score 100 at any level, let alone at the top level uh, against a, a pretty good WA side. How How do you get yourself... Um, in the zone for for something like that. Um. Well, I think for me the big one was like most of the games during the season. I I kept doing all the hard work at the start and and making it to those to that thirty forty mark, but I just kept get kept getting out. Yeah. And I actually said to one of the coaches, um, Mick Delaney, he's like, "Oh, you can have a big big game today." I was like, "I'm not getting out on flight forty. Like, I'm gonna score big." Um, so I just kind of went in with that mindset of I was kind of over those little scores and I was just like, I'm just going to score big today um, and make sure we get over the line um, as a team. And then, yeah, like we obviously lost a few quick wickets and um, but it was, I just kind of had this mindset pretty similar to the um, Big Bash game of just scoring lots of runs Um and being out there, because the longer I was out there, obviously the more runs you score and the more benefit that is to the team. Um, and then, yeah, I obviously scored my first 50, and I was just that in the zone, and I just kind of kept going with it. And then, yeah, the 100 kind of crept up on me quite quick, because um, I think there was a few overs to go, and I said to Nick Hancock, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go for it. And she's like, get your milestone, you're in 97. I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> And then I top-edged it, and I was like, oh, I'm sure we shouldn't have, like, spoken about it because I probably would have played a better shot. It was probably the worst shot I played all game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a pretty surreal moment, and it was uh, it was quite exciting because I had a real tough year, obviously, with injuries and a few setbacks here and there. So um, it was nice to kind of like, see that hard work um, that I put in, like, pay off, I guess. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your injuries and how you stay motivated and keep your drive to to want to get yourself right. You, you mentioned early on your first knee injury when you're nine years old playing soccer. So you've obviously got a history of building resilience and overcoming uh, those kind of setbacks. How how does Maddie Penner... Uh, get her head in the right space to to push through how, how, how do you see yourself overcoming these things and and bouncing back after after dealing with injuries like that um it's definitely not easy I'm not gonna lie to you um obviously like you said I had a I actually had a knee op in when I was nine um and that actually didn't go to plan so for about eight to nine years um I just kind of played in pain and and went through all the rehab possible to try and get myself right but nothing kind of 
seemed to work. And then I actually had another knee op towards the end of 2018. Um, and then towards the end of the season with the Stars, I actually had another one after that. Um, so I've had three knee ops on the same knee. Um, I recently just had an ankle operation because um, I rolled the same ankle maybe 12 plus times. Oh, um, so that was giving me a lot of issues over the years as well. Um, a few dislocated shoulders, uh, tore my ligament in my elbow um, at Big Bash last year. Um, and then the major one at the moment is I've got actually a stress fracture in my shin, which I had this time last year as well. So um, let's just say running and, and any sort of impact isn't my best friend at the moment. Um, but it's not, I guess it's kind of made me the person I am today. Like a lot of people say that, but I genuinely mean it. And if it was like, if I didn't go through, I guess that hardship or um, the extra sessions or the extra rehab and the extra long cool downs and warm ups and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't think I would be as, motivated or dedicated as I am now um it's like I said it's definitely not easy and every time you you get said oh you got to have six weeks off it's it's not the best feeling in the world um and it does get me quite upset here and there because you just go okay well why does this keep happening but um like I'm still young and obviously I've hopefully got a a long career ahead but I just know that I'm not where I want to be yet. And I think that's what drives me to continue to do the hard work. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, it's every girl's dream to to play for Australia and, and represent her country in her chosen sport. So until I kind of get there and I'm dominating that, then it's kind of like, well, I'm not where I want to be. So I guess that's a bit of a, a push and I guess, like it, like most athletes, you always want to be the best version of yourself on and off the field. And um, I guess the more I put in behind the scenes, the better I'll be in the future. So I, all I tell myself is that if I do it now, hopefully I won't have to do it in a few years' time. So fingers crossed that all these injuries kind of start slowing down the older I get. Um, yeah. Maybe it might be a reverse thing for me. The older I get, the better my body feels. So... Um, but yeah, it's definitely, um, it's not easy, but I wouldn't change any of it, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's an outstanding attitude. And you, you mentioned um, being the best version of yourself and university study is another uh, element to a, lo- a lot of our uh, female cricketers traditionally have had other pursuits outside of cricket um, prior to things sort of ramping up a bit with the WBBL and uh, players being able to make more of a living out of cricket. Can you tell us about juggling your university study and playing WBBL? I understand you were still sort of studying and doing assignments and things. I uh, see so you, you go, you make, you make your runs in the WBBL and then you're hitting the books. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you manage that? Um, it's not easy. Um, I find it like especially this year being in the hub and um like obviously at uni I found it really hard to kind of switch off I guess so 
obviously you come back from a training session you have an assignment due in two days and you know you have to get that done but at the same time you want to hang out with your new friends and yeah. um you want to kind of just relax after a, a tough training session um but I guess it, it did kind of take my mind off the cricket side of things as well I guess so it was kind of a bit of a, a break from the cricket side obviously mentally it's not a break because you're still trying to learn but um physically you're kind of just sitting down and you you're trying to do what you can to help your I guess your other career path um and I think a big thing for women's sport in general because we're not fully professional um there's a lot of people that are working outside of cricket as well so they're training full-time with cricket and they're working um on the side of that so for me like that's the reason I went into because I didn't want to rely on cricket to um I guess build a career on um and I was always interested in the the physio slash sport side of um life I guess and I kind of it was just an easy decision um to go down that path and do you think as well, having experienced a lot of rehab and things like that, you've got a bit of intel around what it would actually be like being the person uh, helping people with their injury recovery and that sort of stuff? I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do. Because yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have said, like, because I'm actually studying um, exercise physiology and rehab so yeah it's not really a physio but it's like helps with the rehab side of things and obviously I've gone through what 11 plus years of that you would think that you'd kind of know what you're doing um but a lot of people have said like oh just because like you study that doesn't mean you can rehab yourself and I was like oh that is the only reason I'm doing this <laughs> <laughs> but um no it was it was kind of I always wanted to get into physio um but the mark was quite high for that, and it was, it was obviously in high demand. Um, so I thought, what is like, what's another avenue I can go down to kind of helping people in a similar situation to what I was in? Um, so yeah, I kind of just went into that role, and it's at the moment, at the moment, it's quite um, broad. But hopefully, um, towards the end of this semester and, and next year, it kind of gets into the nitty gritty um, stuff, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Now, your goals for the cricket season ahead, what, what's what's your hopes and aspirations? I know you mentioned your long-term aspirations, obviously, to to go all the way with your cricket. Um, in the short term, what are the steps you're hoping to climb this season? Um, one would probably be get on the path. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably a big one. Step um, one. Yeah, this is going to sound quite cliche, but um, I think having fun, because I think the more fun I have when I'm playing cricket, the better I play. So um, I'm really looking forward to actually getting out there this season. Like our game is, I think, honestly two months away to our first WNCL game. Um, So it's come around quite quick. And obviously Big Bash is just around the corner as well. And Mm. it's obviously the best time of the year. so yeah, like just have fun. I think um, I want to score lots of runs this year, um, and hopefully take a lot of wickets as well. Um, so yeah, I honestly have like no expectations. So I say that now, but no expectation <laughs> of what the season's going to be like. But um, 
yeah, I'm just really looking forward to getting out there with the girls and, and having a bit of fun and hopefully scoring lots of runs and, and taking lots of wickets as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, get yourself on the park and the the, the next steps hopefully all fall into place for you. Now, it's been really wonderful chatting and really enjoying hearing your story so far. Before we let you go, Maddie, uh, our hardest hitting question in cricket podcasts around the world uh, and very popular with our listeners is we need to know your three net session options. So if you could, if you could have a dream net, you can have anyone you want, could be cricketers, could be celebrities, could be, you, you get to choose your destiny with this net session. Who, who are you going to invite? That's a tough question. It actually took me a very long time to figure out who I would want. Um, but I know you've actually um, had a chat with Maitland Brown, and I would say she's probably the best person for net banter okay. in the world. Um, so I would probably invite Maitland just for the banter. She she throws a lot of shade in the net. Um, <laughs> she throws a lot. So um, I definitely have not missed that whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, Maitland Brown would probably be my first option. Uh, and then I reckon I'd go with Catherine Fitzpatrick. Yes. Um, I had a bit to do with her with the Stars a few years ago. And obviously she had some speed on her back in the day. So I would be really keen to face her in the net. Um and then Shane Warne, because I actually struggle to bowl a proper leggy. So I'd be really keen for him to teach me how to bowl a leggy um, that spins. So they would be my three options, I think. Oh, that's outstanding. So I think Maitland Brown, that's the first time we've had a, a current guest invite a previous guest on to be in the Nets. That's outstanding. And, and Catherine Fitzpatrick also had a previous nomination from a uh, former teammate of yours, Kristen Beams, as well. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah so He's a legend. So some good company there. And, and Warney, I think Warney, Warney gets a mention nearly every second week on the Cricket Library <laughs> podcast. He, I can imagine. The, the, king, the king himself. Uh, so, Warney, you're going to have a pretty busy calendar uh, trying to fulfil all, all of our requests, um, but I'm sure you'll get to them. But... Um, Thanks so much, Maddie. I, I've really enjoyed hearing your story today. I'm sure it will be one that youngsters will listen to and hopefully be inspired. And uh, just cricketers, cricket people in general that listen to the podcast, it's been really insightful and uh, really wish you all the best with your recovery from your injuries. And uh, hopefully it's full steam ahead uh, for the future career of Maddie Penner. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. A massive thanks to Maddie Penner for being the latest guest on the Cricket Library podcast. What a wonderful story. Playing all sorts of sports as a youngster and then she gets invited to play a game with the kids at school and loves it. And she goes home and tells mum and dad, I want to have a crack at cricket. And and what a great journey it's been. Uh, She's had to overcome injuries, still uh, on the road to recovery there. But certainly a player with a lot of potential and we've seen elements of that in the WBBL and WNCL competitions and hoping to see more of the best of Maddie Penner in the years ahead and we're, we're very thankful and grateful for her taking the time to share the story of her cricketing journey so far and may it long continue in the years ahead.
And a massive thanks to you, our listener. We're, we're here to share stories that inspire a love of cricket. And we really appreciate you taking the time to tune in. We appreciate you taking the time to leave us a review, leave us a comment, uh, share the word with your friends and get these stories out there. Let's inspire the next generation of cricketers with, with these stories and let's share a love of the game. We look forward to having your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Podcast. Bye for now.